Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Joshua chapter 10, we'll begin reading with verse 40 and read through verse 43. Joshua chapter 10, verses 40 through 43. The title of this message is A Place to Return to. Joshua chapter 10, beginning with verse 40. So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. He totally destroyed all who breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza and from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. And then verse 43 says, Then Joshua returned with all the with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. After crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land, Joshua and the Israelites set up camp at a place they called Gilgal. And they made that camp the place that they kept returning to after each of their battles. If you were to study the Old Testament, you'd find that there are five different locations that archaeologists have identified that they believe is the place, the location for Gilgal. Uh, There are five different Gilgals that archaeologists have located. Now, if you were to look in the Bible, the name Gilgal occurs 39 times in the Old Testament. It doesn't occur at all in the New Testament, but 39 times in the Old Testament. And every one of those times, except for one, The name Gilgal occurs in the Hebrew text, not the English text, but the Hebrew text, with a definite article in front of it. Definite article meaning the word the. So 38 out of 39 times in the Old Testament, if we were reading the ancient Hebrew text, and you come across the name Gilgal, you would find it says the Gilgal. The Gilgal always has the definite article in front of it. Now, the one exception is Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, which says this. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt, and so that place is called Gilgal to this day. Everywhere else but that one place in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, it is, in, again, in the ancient Hebrew, the Gilgal, not just Gilgal, but the Gilgal. Now, the fact that, that in the ancient text, the word says the Gilgal as opposed to Gilgal, this suggests that the Gilgal is not necessarily the location of a town or a city, but rather it is the location of a type of place, a type of place where God did certain things in the presence of the children of Israel, and God did such things that they remembered those particular places. They became places of familiarity. They became places of special significance to which the Israelites could return uh, after each of their battles and during a time when uh, they needed to be reminded of God's faithfulness. So Gilgal 
probably was not so much the name of a town as it was a, a, just a, a familiar type of place that the people knew about. Now, in English, we kind of do the same thing with some other terms. So let me give you an idea of what we're talking about when we talk about the kind of place that the Gilgal is. For instance, a lot of people will, in a conversation, they'll say, you know, I, 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 I drove into the city today, the city. And they know what city they're talking about, but they may not say the city of Atlanta or the city of Noonan. But they'll say to you, I drove into the city today, and boy, traffic was really bad, but I had to go into town today, or the city or the town. You know which city or town you're talking about, even though you may not give the exact name. Another way we, another term we use is the mall. Some of you might, after you leave here today and you go to lunch, you say, hey, we got, we got the afternoon to ourselves. Why don't we go to the mall? Now, you guys are not going to say that, but some of you ladies may say that. Let's go to the mall. And in your mind, you know what mall you're talking about, whether it's Arbor Place Mall or uh, Lenox Square Mall or Fitz Plaza Mall. You know, it depends on, on who you are, where you live, where you like to frequent. People on the north side of town, it might be Cumberland Mall or Perimeter Mall or North Point Mall or the Premium Outlet Mall. But regardless of which one it is, when you say, let's go to the mall, you have in your mind a certain type of place. So the city, the town, the mall. Whenever I grew up, we weren't that far from uh, a number of rivers, the Chattahoochee River, the Etowah River. Uh, and sometimes we'd, we'd say to Dad, say, hey, uh, you know, it's Saturday afternoon. We don't have a whole lot to do. Let's go down and play at the river. And we wouldn't say what river it was, but he knew which one we were talking about. Uh, one of my favorite pop singers is Bruce Springsteen, and he sings a song called The River. I love that song. We went down to the river, and into the river we'd dive, down to the river, she and I. And he would never actually say the name of the river, but in his mind I know that he knew, but he left it, he left it kind of generic so that whoever hears that song, if you think about the river and if it's familiar for you, you can place your own river in that place, the city the town, the mall, the river, the movies. Yesterday, some of you, did anybody go to the movies yesterday? Raise your hand if you did. Anybody? Two people, three people, four people, five people went to the movies. And, and probably somebody said, hey, uh, why don't we go see a movie? Let's go to the movies. And, you, you know, in your mind, you thought you knew exactly which cinema you were talking about, but Maybe you didn't say it. Let's go to, to, uh, over to Sharpsburg to the, to the cinema. Let's go over to the Regal uh, Cinemas or let's go over to the Carmike Cinemas. Instead, you said, let's go to the movies, the Gilgal. We say things like that sometimes. The city, the town, the mall, the river, the movies. This morning, as I was uh, about to leave my house, I went over and I kissed my wife, Amanda, and I said, honey, I'm heading to the church. The church. Some of you got up this morning, you said, I'm going to church this morning. I'm going to the church. Every weekday morning, I'll get up and I'll kiss Amanda, and I will say, I'm, honey, I'm heading to the church. She knows it's this church. You know when you say, I'm heading to the church, it's this church. Other people from other places and other churches, they got up this morning, they said, I'm going to the church, without actually saying which one it was. But you knew which one it was. There are many cities. There are many towns. There are many malls. There are many rivers. There are many churches. Each one has a specific name. But as a type of place, we refer to them as the city or the town or the mall or the river or the church. In the same way, in the Bible, this is true of the Gilgal. It was 
uh, a place, a special type of place, a place to which the Israelite people could frequently return. And so if somebody said, let's go to the Gilgal, they knew exactly what was being referred to. The name Gilgal in Hebrew is is a word that means to roll, like a wheel. And more than likely, it, it refers to when people say, I'm going to the Gilgal, or in the, in the Old Testament, when they, when they said, we camped at the Gilgal, uh, they were talking about a place where some monument had been erected in the shape of a circle. So that if, if you were looking at it from a, a plane, looking down, it was in a circle, kind of like Stonehenge in the United Kingdom. And it was in the shape of a wheel. Every place of those five locations that archaeologists have identified a place that they called Gilgal, you'll see some sort of formation. In some cases, it is a, a foot-shaped formation, so it's not a perfect circle. In other, other cases, it is in a perfect circle with a, an outer circle and then an inner circle. Either way, this rolling-type wheel uh, uh, figure was called the Gilgal. And they set up this, these monuments in places where special events had taken place. Now, we're talking about the camp at Gilgal. I want to, told, I want to tell you uh, some of the things that, that happened in the Old Testament at Gilgal, some of the important events that happened. First, it was the first place that Joshua and the children of Israel camped right after they miraculously crossed over the Jordan River. You remember that the Jordan was flowing, it was flood stage, it was during the rainy season, so it was very dangerous to get in the river at this time of year. But the Bible says that, that the priests, when they set their foots, when they stuck their toes in the water, that God dammed up the Jordan River several miles upstream, and then the children of Israel were able to cross over as on dry ground. And the first place they went to after they crossed the, the Jordan River was a place where they set up a camp and they erected some stones, 12 stones, because Joshua had told the children of Israel, he said, I want you to, I want you to uh, uh, get a leader, one leader from each of the 12 tribes, 12 uh, leaders, and as you come through the, the bed of the Jordan River, I want you to pick up these huge stones, bring them out, and when we set up camp, you'll set up these stones. They probably set them up in a circle. We're not, we don't know for sure, but more than likely they did. And, and so this place, the Gilgal, was the first place they camped. It was where the stones were set up. Not only that, but it was the first place that the Israelites celebrated the Passover once they got into the Promised Land. They had not celebrated the, the Passover in decades. And this would be the first time in decades that they had celebrated it. Right after they celebrated the Passover, again at Gilgal, uh, Joshua took all of the men of a certain age and he circumcised them. They had not practiced circumcision in many decades throughout all the years that they were in the wilderness. Some 40 years they went without practicing the rite of circumcision. So these are some of the events that occurred in the Gilgal. The Bible says that it was at Gilgal that the Gibeonites came to Joshua And they made out like they had come from a long distance, and they wanted to make a peace treaty with Joshua and the Israelites. And so he made a peace treaty with them. As it turns out, they were deceiving Joshua, but it was a place where he made a peace treaty with them, a very, very important moment in the Gibeonites' life 
because it was life or death for them, but also an important uh, thing in the, uh, in, uh, an important event in the life of the nation of Israel once they got to the promised land. Generations later, Gilgal was the place where the first king of Israel, King Saul, was affirmed as the king of Israel. Gilgal was also the place, about 40 years later, when uh, this same Saul was rejected by God and therefore by the children of Israel. The next king of Israel, King David, was affirmed at Gilgal. It is a place where things were happening. It is a place where uh, events occurred. It was a place where God showed up. Do you have a Gilgal? Do you have any Gilgals in your life? Any places that you could go back to where you know that God showed up? Let me tell you, uh, you, you should have several Gilgals in your life. Gilgal was also the, the, the place where a journey began. Later in, later in the, in the uh, monarchy of Israel, there was Elijah and his apprentice Elisha. And from Gilgal, they set out on a journey that culminated with Elijah being carried off to heaven in a chariot, in a whirlwind, while Elisha looked on. He did not go up into uh, heaven on a chariot at Gilgal, but the journey that culminated in that chariot ride started in Gilgal. So I want you to get the picture. Gilgal, for the Israelites, was a place they could return to. It was a place where they remembered what God had done in their lives. And you and I, I hope, have Gilgals. What does Gilgal mean for us? Well, it means for us the same thing that it meant for Israel. First of all, Gilgal means a place of beginnings. It's a place of beginnings. Uh, do you remember uh, about the time that you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember when you, when you were saved, what we call it? Do you remember when you invited Jesus into your heart? Some folks can remember it. Some folks can't. Some folks can remember the very place where they were when they invited Christ to save them. Not everybody can remember that. You don't have to remember it to be saved. It's just the, what's most important is the fact that you are saved. But if you can remember where you were, that place is a Gilgal. Man, I remember it. There's a little church on uh, McGinnis Ferry Road. McGinnis Ferry Road is the, is the uh, southern line of Forsyth and Fulton County. And just inside McGinnis Ferry Road, there's a little church called Shady Grove Baptist Church. It's in the, the, the uh, city of Shake Rag, Georgia. I've told y'all before about Shake Rag. The city of Atlanta is a suburb of Shake Rag, Georgia. In Shake Rag, Georgia, Shady Grove Baptist Church in 1968, on McGinnis Ferry Road, Shady Grove, the church building is a solid brick building, has a basement where the Sunday school classes are, five Sunday school classrooms, and up top there's a sanctuary that will hold maybe 100, 150 people. It's filled with with the solid oak pews. And I, I can go in that building, and I can, I can walk to the, to the front of the pews, the front pew. They're all solid. There's no padding. There's no padding in those pews. And I can take you to the place where in August of 1968, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It's my Gilgal. You have a Gilgal? Hello? <laughs> but that's not the only Gilgal I have. You see, it's not just a place of new beginnings. But it's also a place to which you can return in the midst of your battles. 
If you study the book of Joshua, every time the Israelites went out and conquered a city, they would come back and they would camp at Gilgal. They, they went and they conquered Jericho, and after the victory at Jericho, they came back and they camped at Gilgal. They went to Ai, and they got defeated at Ai, a humiliating defeat. And when they got through there with their defeat, they came back to Ai to regroup, I mean to Gilgal to regroup. Then they went back to Ai. This time they conquered Ai, and after they finished conquering Ai, what did they do? They went back to Gilgal. It was a place to go in the middle of your battles. Listen, folks, you and I live in a battle zone. We do. Whether it's a spiritual battle or a work battle or a family battle or a marriage battle or if there's a battle between personalities in church, uh, if it's a money battle, whatever your battle is, if it's a battle between parents and children, whatever the battle is, you and I are living in battle zones. We cannot escape it. A lot of people will, will give you the impression that once you receive Christ as your Savior, that everything is just hunky-dory. And now it's just coasting. Everything is, is looking at life with rose-colored glasses. Listen, take those rose-colored glasses off and throw them in the nearest trash heap you can because the Christian life is a battle zone. The Israelites, they thought... They thought, some of them surely thought that after 40 years in the wilderness, getting into the promised land was going to be a breeze. Let me tell you, there was no breeze in that promised land. It was a battle zone. They had to fight for every inch of land they conquered. But between their battles, they had a place to return to. My friend, you cannot, you and I cannot fight battles 24-7. We cannot go through our lives with every minute of every day fighting these battles. There has to be a place to which you can return. There has to be a Gilgal in your life that you can come back to and regroup. If you don't, you're going to burn out. It's also a place where we can celebrate victories. After Jericho, they came back. Jericho was a phenomenal victory, wasn't it? You march around Jericho one, one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, you march around it seven times. And on the seventh time, you shout and you blow all your musical instruments. And, and the Bible says that the, the walls of Jericho collapsed so that the children of Israel could go into that city and conquer it. It was amazing. I would love to have witnessed it. But after they got through, they came back to Gilgal. And they celebrated their victory. When they finally defeated Ai, they came back to Gilgal and they celebrated their victory. When they went and they helped the Gibeonites and they defeated the kings that had risen up against the Gibeonites, all the Amorite kings, they defeated them. They left not one survivor. What did they do? They came back to celebrate their victory. Where? At the Gilgal. Do you have a Gilgal? Do you have a place where you can go back and celebrate the victories? It's also a place where problems are identified, confronted, and resolved. The Israelites went into Jericho and they defeated Jericho. And then they sent less than 10% of their army into Ai. They said, Ai is a small town. We don't need to use all of our army. 
just use a, a small portion. AI should be easy to conquer. And so less than 3,000, about 3,000 men, maybe a little less, went into AI to conquer AI. The problem is the men of AI were very determined. They were small in number, but they had big hearts. And they drove the larger Israelite army back. They killed at least 36 of them. And then they chased the rest of them out into the mountain area, into hiding. Joshua was devastated. Got on his face before God, crying out, God, we'd have been better off to stay on the other side of the Jordan. You know where Joshua was when he got on his face? He was in the Gilgal. God says, Joshua, get up from there. Stop praying. Israel has, has disobeyed my commandment. They have taken of the bounty that I had told them not to take it because it was mine. And sure enough, a man named Achan had found a Babylonian coat. That'd, that'd, be, the, that'd be the equivalent of, of uh, being in here one day and finding some uh, $10,000 garment out of Neiman Marcus just being left in the sanctuary somewhere. And he found a piece of gold. And he found 30 pieces of silver. And he gathered all of them up. And he says, oh, I know we're supposed to turn all this into God, but I think maybe God can do without it this time. And so he brought it to his tent and he hid it. He buried it. And so when the Israelites went after Ai, they got defeated by the men of Ai for two reasons. One, they underestimated the determination of the men of Ai and they overestimated their own power. But secondly, Achan had disobeyed God and it had impacted the entire nation. And so God said to Joshua, he said, he said, somebody has disobeyed me and you need to find out who it is. And so they went through an investigation and it ended up exposing Achan. And the Bible says that Achan and his family and everything he owned were gathered up and they were stoned. They had to be dealt with. It was really a harsh, harsh sentence that was inflicted upon Achan. You want to know where that happened? That happened in Gilgal. The Gilgal was a place where problems were identified, confronted, and resolved. That is really hard for us in our day. What we really like to do is say, man, God, I know that we got some problems in the church. We may have some problems in our family. But what we'd really like to do is just kind of sweep those under the rug and not deal with them. But will you go ahead and bless us with future victories anyway? And God sometimes will say, no, you're going to have to deal with that problem or I'm not going to give you Ai, and I'm not going to give you Gibeon, and I'm not going to give you the Amorites. you got to deal with the problem. The Gilgal is the place where problems are identified, confronted, and resolved. And then finally, the Gilgal is a place when, when you're experiencing doubt or despair, and you're doubting everything about God or almost everything. You're doubting everything about your faith. You're going through a really trying time. God has not delivered in a, a crisis for you the way that you had hoped that he would, and it's caused your faith to flounder a little bit. Let me tell you, that happens to every person. I don't care if you're Billy Graham, that happens to you. Gilgal is the place to go back to. Let me tell you, <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this, but there are times when as a pastor I go through some periods of strong doubt and despair. I wish I didn't, but I do. And there are times when doubt 
almost overwhelms me to the point that it lays me out like a dead possum in the middle of a country road. And you say, well, well, Jimmy, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I go back to a Gilgal. That Gilgal may be right here. Palmetto Baptist Church is a, a Gilgal for me. This is a place where God has done some things in my life. Wow. Or I go back to Shake Rag, Georgia, Shady Grove Baptist Church. Listen, if I can go to Shady Grove Baptist Church and I can walk and sit on that front pew where I beg God to save me, if I can go there and if I can just throw that away, then maybe I can let doubt hound me. But let me tell you something. I've never been able to throw that away. I've never been able to go to that Gilgal at Shady Grove and throw her away. You know why? Because God did something in my life right there at Shady Grove Baptist Church. Do you have a Gilgal? There's a mentor. I had several mentors growing up, especially as a preacher. One of them was Robert Martin. Robert Martin still preaches up in Forsyth County. Robert was one of the ones who privately told me, he said, Jimmy, you you ought to go to seminary to get your theological education. He told me that privately. No preacher up there would tell you that publicly. They just didn't. They weren't in favor of any type of theological education. But Robert would. And one one week I helped Robert in a a, a revival, a summer revival at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church just inside Hall County. And I remember we would go to an 11 o'clock morning revival service and preach, and then we'd go eat with someone for lunch. And then we'd go uh, visit some folks, and then we'd eat with somebody else for supper. And then we'd come to the 745 service at, at night, and we'd be expected to preach with about 10 gallons worth of food in our guts. But I remember one time, in between those, that lunch and, and dinner meal, we stopped over at Robert's house, Robert and Miss Shirley. And Robert says, Jimmy, I want to show you something. And we walked behind his house into the woods, and there was a little path that had been beaten out, and he said, I want you to follow me. And I followed him down that beaten path, and about 50 yards into the woods, following that path, there was a small circle that he had raked out. He'd put stones around the the perimeter of that circle, and then there was another set of stones inside uh, the first circle, and there was kind of like a a place for a, a bonfire there. And he said, Jimmy, every morning that it's not raining... I get up at sunrise and I come out here and I meet with God. This is my Gilgal. Do you have a Gilgal? Do you have a place where you met Jesus? Do you have a place where Jesus came into your life? Do you have a place where not only did God save you, but another place maybe where God did something, where you met God? This past week, I had a doctor's appointment up uh, on the north side of town, and I happened to remember that at my old home church, the church where my family grew up, Brookwood Baptist Church in, in Forsyth County, I remembered that they were having their summer revival. They always have the revival in the third week of July. They have 11 o'clock morning services and 7.45 evening services, dinner, lunch and dinner every time. And so I went to the doctor's appointment. When I got out of the doctor's appointment, it was close to about 11 o'clock. So I said, hey, while I'm up here, I'm just going to drop by Brookwood Church for their 11 o'clock service. And I went in there, and, and it was just, it was like coming home. 
It was the church I grew up in. It was a church that my family for generations had been in. I went in and I sat down and one guy got up and he led one of these fast Stamps Baxter. If you don't know Stamps Baxter, go Google it. It's these fast get up and go songs about heaven that a lot of the country churches grew up on. And they, one guy sang a song and he sat down and another guy got up and he sang one of those songs and he sat down and a third guy got up and sang the song. And then after about five different people leading five songs, the song director got up and he says, we're glad to have Brother Jimmy here today talking about me. He says, he doesn't get to see us very much. And he said, he, said, he and I go back a long ways and I just want to ask Brother Jimmy to come up and sing a solo. I knew nothing about it. Nobody had prepped me for it. They hadn't called me the day before and said, would you come up here and sing a solo? No, uh, it was just on the spot, bang, on the cuff, Johnny on the spot, come up and sing. And I'd forgotten that they do that up there because we don't do that here. Thank God we don't do that here. (laughs) And I was just kind of caught off guard. And then the, the song director says, and if you don't have a song to sing, we've got a request for you. We've got a song for you to sing. I thought, great. I said, what is it? And he said, the unseen hand. The unseen hand was the first solo I ever sung in church. I can play it on a piano. It's about one of two songs I can play. But I can play the unseen hand, but I hadn't sung it in years. It has three verses. I wasn't sure if I could remember it. And so I said, "Uh, okay, I'll sing it. And Miss Susan was playing the piano. She's one of the best pianists I've ever heard. And and, and she started to get up. I said, no, Susan, will you play that? I said, do you know the unseen hand? She says, I do. I said, can you play it in F? She says, I can. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So she started playing it, and I'm sitting there praying. Silence of God, you've got to help me remember these words. I haven't sung this song in 10 years. And the words started coming to me. And I sang the first verse and the chorus. And then I sang the second verse, I mean the third verse and then the chorus. And I got through and made it all the way through it. It was awesome. Felt like I was at Gilgal. Preacher got up and preached. And uh, the pastor there at Brookwood is a guy named Danny Bennett. He and his wife Vicki. Vicki is in bad health. She was there in a wheelchair. And I used to sing in a quartet with Danny back about 30 years ago. I know, I know. I was singing in that quartet when I was two, but uh, singing a quartet with, with him and Vicky and a guy named Jackie Fortner. You want to hear somebody, I mean, whose, whose voice alone can make the heaven fall like a downpour? Google Jackie Fortner and watch the videos of him there. The guy's incredible. Anyway, he sang tenor for us. And so Danny gets up at the end of the service. He's the pastor at Brookwood Church now. And he says, again, we appreciate Jimmy here. He and, he and uh, uh, my wife Vicki and I used to sing in a quartet. And that was a long time ago. And somebody got up and says, well, three of the four of the quartet are here. Why don't y'all sing? No. Danny says, well, we don't have a lead singer. And they said, well, his brother's over there. Why don't you sing? Why don't you get him to come sing with you? And so they got up and, and we sang three songs. Every one of them requested song. When I left, I knew that I had been at the Gilgal. Do you have a Gilgal? Do you have a place when life treats you like hell? That you can go back, and you can go back and you can know that you're at a place wherein you encountered God. 
and it can build your faith right then and there. Do you have a Gilgal? You see, a Gilgal signifies those places where God did something special in your life. My dad sold our home place. It was, uh, it was three and a half acres. There was a poultry farm on it, a chicken house. I was raised on a poultry farm. Anybody worked in a chicken house before? Raise your hand. Probably still smell the old ammonia. Isn't that wonderful? Chicken manure. Most people say chicken manure, it stinks. I said, man, that smells like home, baby. I'm telling you, I love it. I love it. I remember one time in between chickens, in between bunches, we'd have chickens for about seven and a half weeks, and then they'd come get them. The chicken house just was, had a terrible stink to it. I don't remember what was going on in my life, but I was a young pastor, and uh, something had happened in the church that had just really torn me up. And I went down there to that chicken house, and I was broken. I was so broken. And I got on my knees in chicken manure. And I cried out to God for the better part of an hour. And I wept. That chicken house is gone now. But I think if I were to drive back over there, I could get out of my car and I could get right about to the place in the grown-up bushes where that chicken house was. And I think that I can find about the place where covered up in chicken manure, God delivered me one more time. Folks, you need some Gilgals. You need some places to get when the battles get rough. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for those places where you showed up, where you made yourself known. Those places that when life gets us so bent down, we can go back to those places and just the very memory of what you did there builds us back up. Lord, this place right here can be Gilgal for someone this morning. I pray for someone to come and invite Jesus into their life right here. Let this be a Gilgal. I pray for some Christian who's really fighting battles to find deliverance here and find a Gilgal. Lord, this is a Gilgal, a Gilgal for me, and I love this church. It's the place and it's with these people that you have brought me to life so many times. Thank you so much. Amen.